This is space. This is the final frontier. These are the cases before the court. Its mission, legislate strange new crimes, seek out new perpetrators and new defendants to jurisprudently go where no law has gone before. This is the People versus Star Trek Voyager. The People versus Star Trek Voyager is recorded in front of no one. For the defense. Commander Matthias Zapp Spurlock, Starfleet Pro Bono Legal Fund. Prosecution. Commodore 512, John Q. Continuum Esquire. Judge. The Honorable Midnightian Later. May it please the court. Case on the docket is 311, the Q and the Gray. Stardate 50384.2. Original air date 112796. Order in the court. As is well known to all here, these proceedings are being broadcast to the giant Pacific octopus in the Georgia Aquarium, so I expect a civil tone and a constant air of professionalism. No rancor, no ribaldry, and not even a sniff of the lemongrass. The question before the court is this. Is Star Trek Voyager a misunderstood gem, or just plain, tawdry, garbage. Now your opening arguments. Get to the point. Thank you, Your Honor. I will indeed get to the point. Q and the Grey was fantastic. Alas, let us take a moment and set aside the fact that I care more about Q and his growth than I do about anyone on that ship. Let's take that and put it in this little tiny box over here. There. Now that that's out of the way, let's examine the fact that this writing team feels exactly the same way as I do. They care more about this quasi-sequel to Death Wish and the character growth of Q and the Continuum than they do about anyone on Voyager. The casts of Voyager are basically props, set pieces, plot devices simply here to help tell an excellent story about a pretty darn excellent fellow by the name of Q. Excellent work caring more about him than the actual crew of the ship this whole damn thing is supposed to be about. Nicely done. Five stars. Thank you. Commander Spurlock. Your Honor, it's a point of Spurlock family pride that my great-great-great-grandfather, Matthias Ias Ias Spurlock, served with distinction in the Second North American Civil War, which, as we all learned in grade school, pitted brother against brother in bitter and bloody combat over Star Trek Voyager. Although we are living evidence that humanity has evolved more sophisticated systems of settling Voyager-related disputes, I believe the words he wrote on the eve of the Third Battle of the Q and the Grey are to this day as eloquent as any defense I could conjure. I will now read these words in a generic, affected 22nd century accent. My dearest Musadora, I write to you this day from the precipice of fate. Within the span of this very hour, we shall meet the enemy on the field of battle, and the goodness or garbageness of the Q and the Gray will be settled for all posterity. Though I may give my life this day, know that I die in defense of an episode that is both funny and poignant, 
an episode that creates room for real character growth on the part of the queue and allows Janeway to expound upon the highest virtues of humanity. Should I succumb to the fray, my sweet Musadora, do not grieve me gone. Remember me in the sounding horns of the Voyager theme song and raise our children to know that their father died in defense of a pretty enjoyable episode of the third best Star Trek franchise. Yours always, Matthias Isias. Now the evidence will be presented in the format agreed upon by the Fairfax Addendum to the Kittimer Accords. Audio recordings of three white guys interrupting each other. Play the holocron. An explosion. <laughs> Clapping. Wow! Wow! Just wow! Wowie, wowie, wowzer! Shut up. Someone murder Neelix right now, in this moment. Murder Kay. him. There's not a jury in the world. I just don't do know that. why the director didn't like be like, all right, cut. You're just, fired. Just uh, just pull it back a, like a thousand percent. I mean, it's setting up the joke with Tuvok where he's like, it was a fascinating spectacle. Despite your inarticulate expressions Indeed. of awe. Um, and uh, they, we get some quick science stuff that, that the shockwave was 30% stronger more than expected, but only two other crews in Starfleet history have experienced a supernova explosion. Uh, and then Kess has a line about uh, being interested in learning more about stellar phenomenon. She's already mastered your pitiful medicine. She's ready to learn about the stars now. We get a quick reminder about the hollow emitter that the doctor now wears. Right. Which I was thinking, oh, that means we're going to see the doctor roaming around a bunch this episode. Nope. Nope. Just a reminder. Just a show. That's why he's here. Put a little money in the bank, reminding you that this is a thing now. In case you were curious, right. you can do this now. Uh, right. So then they're all sort of breaking up, and then Chakotay comes up to Janeway. And is like, you've been been on the bridge for 14 hours which i love that detail of like they're just getting ready to watch this supernova thing there was literally nothing to do but just the call of science has kept her on the bridge for 14 hours but she's like okay fine i'm gonna go home i'm gonna go back to my quarters and go to bed see you in the morning good call good night <laughs> she walks in to the most absurd valentine bed i think it's i've awesome. ever seen it's like when um you know, when you see a movie where they go to the honeymoon suite yes. in a yeah. really crappy hotel uh -huh. that otherwise has hourly rates. Yep. There need to be a mirror on the ceiling. Yeah, and just and the a magic fingers coin slot thing. <laughs> and the sigh that Kate Mulgrew gives. Uh, like, my only wish security. Is security. <laughs> my only wish is that the bed rotated. Yeah. Yeah, it was and round. He, and that he was on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, her reaction is that she clearly there there's only one person who could be responsible for this. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And then he's like, no need to call for room service, Kathy. And I like that they've decided that Kathy is what he's going to call her. Uh -huh. And I just want to stop right here because I knew time. coming in, this is a Q episode. How? How? How could I have known? How could you have How known? How could I have known? Um, but I want to say right here because the last, the previous episode, Death Wish, where they introduced sort of this dynamic between him and her and really kind of explored is this a romantic – is there a sexual tension? Is this sexually charged in some way? And when they immediately come at this with like, I'm here to date you. I'm here to romance you. Mm -hmm. But I want to say right out right out of the gate and throughout the whole rest of the episode, I think they handle it really well, mainly because they let the natural chemistry of the characters, of the actors, 
yeah. do all the work. Like it's it's never gross, even when right. he's like, "I want to mate with you." It's <laughs> it's it's fucking hijinks, and they're both having a good time. And even in world, it seems like Janeway's like, "I hate this." But do I though? Yeah, it's kind of secretly a little bit adorable. I'm kind of digging this. Yeah, we have know? we have. I mean, first of all, there's there's a, a couple of things that protect this episode from veering off into creepy town. Mm-hmm. One of them, exactly what you said. He's great. She's great. And we have a lot of money in the bank with Q at this point, mm-hmm. not just from Voyager, but from TNG. Sure. Also, um, they've also established in previous Q episodes across franchises that. One thing a cue will never do is subvert your free will. Right. And it, that's a huge cue no-no. Because the one time in TNG when the teenage Q does that yeah. with Riker for like a minute, uh-huh. when Q, big Q finds out, he's like, no, you're coming with me to Q school. Yeah. Because that's one thing we don't do. We don't force, we may manipulate the playing field, but we never force a response or reaction right. from mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's it just, it frees you up. Uh, because they put that work in on this character and on the rules of cuteness, it frees you up to just enjoy this. Sure. Yeah, and a lot of times when Voyager has something that they don't handle super well, and then they come back to it, and they want to go right at it, mm-hmm. it doesn't always go so well, you know, with the whole, let's talk about assisted suicide, or su- let's talk about suicide again. And let's talk about it again. <laughs> I didn't get it right again. last time. Let's double down on but it. But this time, I feel like they're like, ooh, that was interesting, but fraught and i don't think we handled it well the first time let's come right at it this time and i think they really kind of i think they really got it like i think it's i think this is pretty cool this relationship between them and how it's handled and neither character feels bad and yeah okay but most of this time but until we get a pretty far in the episode it's time for hijinks all the way through this cold open although we get the big wtf moment at the end of the, the cold open where he's like, I've taken the phone off the hook, and what are you doing here? And he's like, well, come on. I'm not getting in Starfleet-issued Starfleet sheets. They give me a rash. <laughs> These are made of satin. Satin sheets. Oh, Kathy. And even when he's like, admit it, it's been a while. And she's like, it's going to be a while longer. A while longer. <laughs> yeah. That was a good line. And then he like changes her into her like like nightgown. And I'm like, oh, la la. Uh, and then she's like this puerile attempt at seduction. And you're like, oh. This is fun. This lots, is fun stuff. Lots of good little burns in the dialogue here. Don't mm-hmm. you know why I want you? Let me guess. No one else will have you. you yeah, know. all that stuff. But then it ends with, like, he's, he's dipping her, and he's like, I want you to be the mother of my child. And we're, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Say what now? Okay, that's how, compared to the previous episodes, Cold Open, that's a cold open. That's yeah. how you do it. That's like, okay, okay, flip the page, tell me. <laughs> Let's unpack this. Let's explore so, the possibilities here. We come right back to the same scene. Janeway walks into her, like, bedroomy part of it, because he he summoned the bed where her couch normally is. She walks off into the little room to get her, she goes, to, we learn later to get her robe, but I remembered from a very early episode, canonically, in that room is a sword. And so I was like, if she walks back in with that cutlass, that will be the greatest Chekhov's gun I've ever seen in my life. We wouldn't have shown you this sword two seasons ago. I've been waiting. It's in there. I know it's in there. I don't know why she has it, but she has it. And I'm waiting. This was the moment. But no, she comes back in. She puts on her her, uh, bathrobe. Um, 
And they're getting lots more fun banter of like, you, I chose you out of, oh, I could have had a, a Targ or a this or a, it's like, oh, I beat out a single celled organism. Yeah. Great. I'm like, this is, he's like, my cosmic clock is ticking. Oh, uh, I get it. You're playing hard to get. As far as you're concerned, Q, I'm impossible to get. He's like, a challenge. <laughs> and then he bamfs out of there and takes the bed with him. And never seen again. <laughs> and then she calls up and she's like, hey, I just had a visit from Q. And Cody's like, oh, what did he want? She's like, uh, he had like a personal request. <laughs> Just <laughs> put everyone alert. Let me know if anything sure. weird happens. Yeah. Next scene. Next morning, we assume. Could have been maybe a day or so later. It's hard to say. But I did like the, there's a little detail, a little subtle detail that Janeway is yawning, which means she didn't sleep. Right. She had some things to think about, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, it has been a long time. It's been a long time. He wasn't wrong. John Delancey is a handsome man. He's a good-looking man. He's charismatic. He, he is, he's the trickster, the trickster god. Right. Like, it's part of the package. So Chakotay comes in, and he's like, hey, here's your report. And she's like, thanks, anyway. He's like, she's like, is there something else? And he's like, just what do you mean? Clearly, he's been, like, obsessing about this. <laughs> Define personal. And she's like, he wants to to mate with me I see um, and then she's like I mean we know he always has some sort of hidden agenda and then Chakotay's like maybe and I'm like Chakotay legitimately thinks like no there's nothing else going on he's just trying to get my woman yeah that's as far as he's that's thought a, that's yeah that's the scene he's like this this bothers the hell out of me but however like we see them for the first time be acknowledging that they've had a prior romantic relationship she does put her, her hand she on him. She touches she him. Touches him. She touches him. It's very weird. And um, then, of course, Q comes in. He's like, did what? you make you a tub yet? <laughs> did you carve you a headboard? What about the sand art? <laughs> then they have this weird bit with like, what do you like in him? Is it the tattoo? Well, mine's bigger. And then he has this comically oversized face tattoo. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Not big enough. Uh, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Wow. Damn. Yeah. Uh, that's what she says. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, got it. Fine. I'm I'm like that we're reminding people that this is a thing that is yeah. canonically in play. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, then we jump to which apparently we're just not going to Shea Sandrine anymore. Nope. We're going we're to the resort this now. We're going to yeah. the resort. Now that um Michael Pillar is gone, uh yeah, the resort is is where we go. Okay. Okay. I mean, I didn't like Shakespeare Dream, so fine. But that was, I don't love this place either, but it's, at least it's something new to see. Sure. What it's are, not. What it's, aren't you telling me? It's not here to stay either. Yeah. It's God bad. damn it. It sucks. <laughs> there, there are future evolutions. Oh, this, good. In this particular Pokemon. Delightful. <laughs> so we get a quick like voiceover of Q's been basically bamfing around the ship, yeah. trying to. Uh, he's bugging everybody. But no one can quite figure out his true motives. And we get uh, Tom and Harry working on their reports while they're getting back rubs. Like, no reason to work on the bridge. And uh, then uh, Q comes in to talk to them. However, I want to throw out one quick thing. Tom is just wearing a T-shirt with a comm badge on it. Like, that's just a T-shirt. That's not a future shirt. That's not a Star Trek. Yeah. material that's literally just a Hanes t-shirt yep. with yeah. a little com badge on it. I'm yeah. like, it's got the kind of like crinkly bacon collar thing going on yep. that happens after you that is, pull it over your head one too many times. That is a 50-50 cotton poly 
Haynes. Haynes survived the whatever. I got the War. combat, John. I'm on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we find out he's basically asking Tom and uh, Harry for advice. He's like, I tried filling the bridge with roses and serenading her in the bath. And it's like, it's just all this silly stuff. And so I'm like, that's really funny. Um, and then like, tell us what you're really after. And he's like, I just really want you to give me some advice. And then there's a moment where I was like, is Tom really going to try to like advise him? And he does. He's like, I advise you to give up before you embarrass yourself even more. Yeah, you'd know about embarrassing yourself, wouldn't you, Tom? I mean, I like that he doesn't break ranks. Like he doesn't betray <laughs> Janeway. I like that. But part of me wants to know what his advice would have would been. Would have been, right. Because he's thought about it. He's, he's you know, if, if something happens and, like, it turns out that he and Janeway are, like, the last two people on the ship, he's got to continue. He's like Batman. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, Batman has this file folder full of plans to, like, take everybody down that he knows. and get, he Tom has that. But it's like a it's it's like a plan for each and every woman, and but for probably Tom, most it's of the men. The, on the same ship. plan for every. It's woman. the same one. It's just a search and replace kind of thing. But <laughs> uh, then they they stomp off, and then uh, Q spins around and begins a wonderful running joke of establishing what his his name his nickname for more and more people on the ship are. And for Neelix, it's Bar Rodent. You Bar Rodent. <laughs> and later we find out for Chakotay, it's Chuckles. 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 Which I'm like, wow, that's been right in front of us for three seasons and mm-hmm. didn't. Wow, that's why he's the master. Yep. Um. And then he he basically says, "You get come on, help me out. You're always doing things for her. You acquire things for her, little treats, little presents. That's why she can stand your face." And Neelix. And I always hate this when they give the right answer to Neelix. He's like, well, she likes me because I'm respectful, I'm loyal, and sincere. And those are attributes you could never hope to possess. And then you can see the wheels turning in Q's head. You're like, sincerity, eh? <laughs> and I like that what, what his brain spits out from that is, I'll get her a puppy. I'll get her a puppy. <laughs> yeah. I'll give her a pet for her spaceship. Power move. <laughs> That is a power move. Hey, it it's the first thing he does that that like momentarily dents the shell. It Which I, when we cut to with the very next scene, we cut to Janeway in her room, and then we I, you hear the puppy noise, and I was like, not fair. She yeah. has dogs. She loves dogs. She hasn't seen a dog in three years, and then you bring this adorable Red puppy, setter, this gorgeous puppy. Yeah, I was like, how dare you? Uh, but she walks up and she's like. And you can see in her body language, like she's like, I know, no, I should, but it's a puppy and I'm going to pick it up. Uh, and then he, she's like, this isn't going to work, Q. And he's like, may we talk as <laughs> just talk? Just like you can see him like I'm, I, I've found the, the, the tactic this is now. customary among my people. Giving someone a dog means you'd like to initiate a conversation with him. I also, I also then like, who let John Delancey hold a fucking puppy and act? Like that should not be allowed. That's too much power. Um, and he's holding the puppy, and then he like throughout the scene he puts the puppy between them, and then she takes the puppy, and it's 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 pretty funny. But he goes on a lot of like, I, I'm afraid that I haven't been sincere, and I've I joked and I you know, boasted to try to hide my true feelings. And she's like, I'm lonely. Like I I want a relationship. And you can see him like 
like almost like he had cue cards that he wrote down. Of... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Hello, Catherine. Next card. Um, I am lonely. Yeah, I'm. And then she's like, I'm not buying it. But then she does pick up the puppy. So she's not. It's very much like, I'm not buying it, but I haven't shut the door either. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, they're talking a little bit more. And this is when we have the arrival of another queue. A huge addition right. to Q Prime canon. Sure. His girlfriend? Long standing? Of about three billion years. Yeah. Right? They were paired in some way, however that works. However that Q. works in the continuum. Yeah. It was only three billion years. Uh, and I like this actress. I didn't recognize her. <laughs> Why not? I don't right. know. Susie Plaxon. She is Kalor. Worf's wife. Oh, really? She's Alexander's mom. Alexander's mom. mom. Oh, I didn't recognize her without the half half human, half Klingon. Okay, I didn't recognize her without the prosthetics. Like, she was great in this. She has been other less prominent character roles throughout. uh, She was on the Schizoid Man. She was like uh, Vulcan, I think, on that one. Yeah, I remember when she was Vulcan. I do remember that one. Yeah, and I think she was also... I think she didn't... I guess I just don't recognize her when she just got her human face out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but then they get into a a tete a tete where she basically is like, "Get away from that dog!" And I'm not talking, no, about, talking the about the puppy. Ooh, Ooh damn! You called her a dog? And Q's like, "Stop stalking me!" And Janeway's like, "Look, you know, I have zero. Don't worry, I have zero interest in him. And but take your domestic dispute off my ship." Um. Then she gets called to the bridge because all of a sudden two supernovas just happened. Yeah. This thing that happens once a century is extremely <laughs> rare. Yes. Just two of them just happened. Um, and they're like, she's basically like, okay, Q, somehow this is your fault. Tell me what's going on. Fix this. Or get get us out of here at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> First, first step one, help us not die. Step yeah. two, fix mm-hmm. it. Because they just can't navigate their way out of all the shockwaves that are coming mm-hmm. from the supernovas. Um, and they're basically getting ready to brace for impact when um, Janeway's yelling at him. And he's he's like, fix it, fix it. He's like, okay. And he snaps and they leave. But Voyager stays as well as the other Q. And then the shockwave hits Voyager. Then we cut to... The set of Matlock is what I immediately thought it was. <laughs> what if that was? What if this? Well, I, I needed something your human like mind could understand. Matlock, Kathy, and since Matlock is humanity's highest art form, the expression. And the then when they come, soul. they cut to like inside the 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 manor, and I saw her in the dress. I was like, oh my god, it's the hollow novel. At last. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> At last. You're dreaming. But that's not what it was. No. It's a diff- and it's, and I know, like, I know anyone who knows anything about costuming and period would be like, you're an idiot yeah. to confuse a Victorian setting. I just saw a floofy dress and thought it was pretty from much, the Holland novel. Pretty much. It's pretty floofy. I'm not that smart. Um, But no, she is a Southern Belle somewhere on the front in the war between the states. But you got to hand it to Q. He's, his game's getting better because after his initial flailing attempts, he went with Puppy. That worked a little bit. 
And then you up this game to period drama. He he is hitting a lot of the right notes, at least superficially speaking. Yeah, superficially, like he's <laughs> these are the, the right things Janeway that she notes. likes. Yeah, he's paying attention and showing that he listens now. Uh, he he strides in and he gives her a comment. Your your gown is very becoming. And this is where we start to see the shift from total trickster playful cue to him act to actually once we understand the stakes and him being completely sincere. And strange and non-human, mm-hmm. and in fact, you know, but to the point where you understand, like, he is a real person underneath all this flimflamery. When the stakes are clear, and when he's willing to talk about them honestly, right? Um, but uh, so he's basically said, "I've brought you to the continuum. This is what someone from the United States, the American, would easily process, easily be able to understand." Uh, it's interesting that that he made Janeway the Southern Belle. And he's a union officer, and yeah. the the opposing faction of the continuum is the South. They're the Confederates, yeah. It's interesting. Which isn't because he's technically the one that's rebelling here, right? I mean, I think they didn't think yes. past, like, Q is good guy, union is good guy so on TV, be, I think always. That's all it was. And yeah. the bad guys are the South. That's it. That's how it right. always Unless we're explicitly spending all of our time investigating that, good guy, bad guy is all we're going to worry right. about. Yeah. Um. And then he says, like, I've brought you here because this is for the fate of the future of the continuum. Uh, we're basically at a civil war, and he opens the the doors so they can see out the windows. And, like, the continuum is burning. I was like, that's no good. That can't be good. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fine. Aren't they sort of woven into the thread of all reality, right? Could uh, be bad. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So we do get to uh, – he goes forward and explains to her that this all started with the Death Wish yeah. episode. Right. Yeah, our friend Quinn. And, and, I, and I put a note in all caps here saying a Voyager episode had consequences to a future Voyager episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not the first time it's happened, but it's rare enough that it, it, rare. it deserves shouty text well, when they, it does happen. They like, a, they like a sequel that deals with characters that are not – on the ship normally. It would have been on brand for Voyager to say that Quinn killing himself or Quinn dying was going to have consequences and then just never explore those consequences. Absolutely. Right. So the fact that they circled sure. back around on it, I pat on the back with some <laughs> positive reinforcement uh, here. Yeah, and uh, I really love the way he describes that after Quinn died – the people that were drawn to the concept of freedom and individuality were his words would like sound in the ears. And he says that I sounded the trumpet. Yeah. Like I became the leader of the mm-hmm. rebellion basically. And then he starts talking about that, that this war is a wonderful opportunity. That war is an engine of change. And Janeway is trying to be talk him down. Like, no, that right. <laughs> like, humans have found a way to resolve things without violence. Surely the Q can. And he's like, yeah, but maybe not. But then he's basically, he finally <laughs> arrives at where before he's been like, I want to mate with you. I want to have a relationship. And now he's like, no, this is what I want to happen. There needs to be a new breed of Q. That's the answer to all this. Mm-hmm. That, we, that we take what humanity has to offer, compassion, understanding, love, all that stuff, and marry it to the Q viewpoint and omnipotence. Right. So basically, I want you to help me birth a messiah. Uh, uh, I want you to be the mother of peace. He uses the term Messiah, which yeah, was sort of jarring when he says it. 
And because I mean, he does consider himself a god, and in oh, sure. many, especially in TNG, he was much more like I'm no. the closest thing to God you've got. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Right. Uh, and it's interesting that like seeing the artifice fall away from he's like, no, this is what I want to happen, and this is why I think it'll work. And then he gets shot. And I love the whole concept that the all these muskets are just like representations of weird subspace concepts it's of weapons light refracted through a lens that Janeway's human brain can understand yeah. mm-hmm. and he has the line there about you know these are all Q weapons if it can make a Q bleed what do you think it'll do to you right right when he's telling her to like grab a rifle and she's like no 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 yeah they're very consistent and effective with the with the conceit that yeah. this is all everything here is has been proxified into something that she can perceive, yeah. but there's a reality behind each and mm. everything that's happening. Every every piece, every every set piece in the Civil War world has a real meaningful representation on the other side. Right. That if you think about it, you can kind of piece most of them together, even sure. if they don't explicitly tell you. And I, there's a line earlier where he talks about the supernovas are like are like interdimensional crossfire. Yeah. From this war. Basically, they're destabilizing subspace, mm-hmm. and now these stars are all which, which you shouldn't do. Yeah, uh, try to avoid that. C- uh, cut back to the bridge of Voyager, which is jacked. Um, it really is. It's, it's just like, like we haven't seen Voyager this beat to hell in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, we found, quickly realized that uh, the female Q is um, there. Her powers have been removed. She's right. got a, a Chakotay has the easy observation of like, oh, you have a bruise and you haven't left, so you don't have any powers and you need our help, so let's work together. Uh, she yells at them for a bit, but there's a good line about the, this rickety barge. Yeah. And Tuvok is like, well, this rickety barge is all you have, so. <laughs> They're kind of right up in each other's faces in this, too. I, I made the note that this is the most chemistry Chakotay's had with anybody since, since Seska passed away. Like, or did she? Or did she? Her alleged death. Seska lives. Seska lives. Then the lady Q pulls her mask off. She is Seska. She could be Seska. Uh, so back in the continuum, Q is bleeding out. Uh, then someone outside the sh- the house yells like, "Hold your fire! We're gonna talk to you. You need to surrender." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Is that supposed to be a Southern accent?" <laughs> Is that what they thought of Southern accent? Hey, how y'all doing hey. in there? We got that, some biscuits. I think that's that actor's actual accent. Wait. Yeah. Isn't oh, it, the, the guy who's the general isn't later? Isn't it the general who says Oh, it? I don't know who was I, yelling outside. I think it is. I think it is. But I think that's just his normal voice. Oh, the colonel? Okay. The colonel, colonel. meet later? Yeah. Colonel Q. Whatever. Um, and then they get a great bit with uh, Q saying, I'll never surrender and you know that. And it, and it's always interesting when you have moments where you're like, yeah, Q's kind of awesome, you know, like mm-hmm. as this figure of rebellion. Right. Uh, grab a rifle. Come on. And then he gets shot again. And uh, Janeway grabs him and basically drags him out of there. Uh, so quickly, we jump back to Voyager where uh, they're making modifications so that Voyager can physically go into the continuum, which seems like a stretch. But OK, we need it to happen for this episode. So yep. fine. They're also going to make all these modifications, which will never be talked about ever again. That feels like that should be a bigger deal, right? The first Federation ship to ever cross into the continuum. I mean, maybe the first non-Q life form to ever enter into the continuum. Physically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. physically enter in, yeah. Um, Also, like this whole bit late, I think it's later when they're actually going into the supernova where they increase the the shield output by 10 times. I'm Mm -hmm. like, 
Seems like something you might want to jot that down and use that later. In case we need to do this like, next time. Yeah. yeah, of course, it did involve, what, like, shutting the warp core down? Yeah, so, yeah. so it's not something you would want to do all the time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's a good back and forth between Torres and Q about, you know, your superiority complex. Like, it's not a complex. It's just true. And then she's like, I love Klingon females. They have so much spunk. Spunk. And I'm like, okay, uh, fine, fine. She played a Klingon female. I didn't know what that was supposed to be, a, like an Easter egg. Oh, I didn't get it either. But that yeah, was supposed you're... to be a bit of a wink to the people who had made the connection that wink, she was wink. in TNG. Okay. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe no, just, no, it's yeah. it's totally a joke for the super fans, which were not was not me because I didn't make the connection. Because um, I don't know what her human face looks like. Um, <laughs> so after the battle, uh-huh. after Gettysburg, we've come <laughs> to Janeway and Q recovering. And he wakes up. He's like, I pulled you out of the mansion. I saw some of your followers or your faction escaping, so I went with them. I basically saved your life, basically. Uh, She's like, you're not on the winning side of this. And they basically talk some more about, like, this is why I need you to do this for me so we can stop this war. He's like, it's a good idea to, like, make a new type of cue, but I think you need to, like, make a new cue yourself with your cue lady friend. And he's like, the Q are way beyond sex. Uh, and she's like, I don't love you, Q, so I'm not going to have a child with you. What does that have to do with it? <laughs> and then you find out that his whole plan was that he was going to have the baby, but he wasn't going to like raise it or anything. That was <laughs> no. her job. I'm an idea man. An That's idea the funniest man. line he has in the entire thing. <laughs> I'm more of an idea man. Uh, uh, and this is where they talk about, like, it's not human DNA that produces love and kindness and uh, compassion. Those are like human values that have developed over hundreds of years. And I'm like, yeah, human DNA is pretty bad. Pretty savage. And it's You may not want to sprinkle that in there with uh, God power DNA. Yeah, not, not the greatest, the greatest <laughs> plan. It'll be fine. It's be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, you're going to have to teach them yourself. Like, you're going to have to be a father, basically, if you want them to be better than you were, which is the whole goal of this. Uh, and then he, but I love his bit like, come on, fess up. Admit it's slightly tempting. And she's like, well, I'm an explorer in this episode. Um, <laughs> the Being able to travel to other dimensions, of course, is something that would be interesting. But I have other responsibilities, and I'm not looking for a quick fix. And this is, he finally brings up the thing that he always brings up about, you know, you could just get yourself home with Q powers. It's kind of a low blow. I sort of hated that because you know they've, they've been having they've been developing this this comfortable rapport with one another mm-hmm. and then bringing that into it feels like a cheap shot. Well, I, but I guess he's getting desperate. I mean, he feels like he's that's his last card to play. If she's right. not going to bite on that, she's not going to bite on anything else. I mean, I get that, but hasn't she pretty much said she'll do whatever it takes to get her crew home? Except, well, that. except Ex- that, I don't believe. I don't believe there was an except that in that conversation. Anytime, she- well, there but there has. Asterisk. Yeah, but she's already shown that there's certain moral boundaries she won't cross just to make their their journey easier. And oh. I would think that would be one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not willing to sacrifice her integrity. She totally killed Tuvix, though. Well, Tuvix had it coming. He had it it coming. And I would say killing Tuvix increased the survivability of Voyager because now you have a Neelix and a Tuvok instead of a Tuvix. A Tuvix. (laughs) It was just walking around weirding everybody out. (laughs) Well, at the end of the scene. Nevok. Maybe if his name was Nevok, she wouldn't have killed him. We'll never know. We'll never know. know. 
Uh, so at the end of the scene, Q is basically pouting because now he has to have Q sex. And she's like, you'll figure it out. I'm going to take this white flag and go talk to the other side. Then we come back and learn that Paris's name is Helmboy. You, Helmboy. Helmboy. And he's like, <laughs> just which take it back. back. That, that should be how everybody refers to Tom for the rest of the show. Helmboy. So they aim for the supernova. They increase power to the shields by a factor of 10 using Q science magic. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. boom, we cut away. Then we see Janeway being let into the uh, tent of the opposition by someone who looks a lot like Sasha Baron Cohen. I want to say. <laughs> I didn't catch that. It looks catch. a lot like The actor looks a lot like him. But the actor <laughs> playing the colonel is a guy that has been in a thousand different things. Oh, sure. I mean, he was sure, originally sure. like a Broadway actor, but um, he's been in a ton of TV shows mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually some other Star Trek stuff, too. Just oh, one, sure. of those, one of those faces. Harvey Presnell. Harvey Presnell. Okay. Uh, Captain Janeway, I presume. Or Harv. And he's... Uh, she basically comes, she's like, an offer of a truce. Uh, Q has an idea that can end this war. He's like, well, we've already decided that the most expedient way to end the conflict is to kill all opposition. Yep. Um, I, she's like, I really want you to listen. And, you know, and she's like, well, you know, we're not going to listen, but you could tell us where Q is. She's like, I won't do that. He's like, well, too bad. We found him anyway. I've been waiting for this moment for an eternity, and I'm going to kill you too. Just, just because. Just to raise the stakes. Yep. <laughs> That's how screenwriting works. Going into the commercial break. There's literally no reason for little, us to kill you. A but, little more punch going yeah. into this commercial break. Yeah, for them, it's like, we're going to put this murderer to death and this sparrow he had in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> it collaborated. It collaborated with him. with him. By singing him a sweet song <laughs> while he committed treason. Exactly. So then we go to uh, Janeway and Q being tied up to the trees to be shot. Uh, and he's like, well, at least they'll remember us as martyrs. And it's kind of romantic about going to our deaths together. Uh, and then they give Q a really nice speech where they're like, what's your last words? And she basically begs them to um, be better. Be better. Yeah. Be better than this. Like, humanity's worked so hard for so long to to leave savagery and violence behind. Mm-hmm. Surely the continuum with the benefit of millennia can do the same. His reaction is great. He's like, okay, next. Okay, Anybody you, else have anything to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Noted for the record. Noted. And then they give Q a good speech about like, you know, I've, like, I'm going to die and I've, I've stood up for the principles of freedom and individuality, but please let her go. Like, yeah. she's done nothing wrong. Yeah. Like, let her go. And you're like, yeah, what a good moment. And it's one of those moments where you can see the, in her eyes, like, I see you as a person. Yeah. And where at the beginning of this episode, I was like, silly, awful trickster man. Yeah. No yeah. way. But now I'm like, you know, maybe. Contrived though it may be, uh-huh. Janeway had to be put in a position of danger so that Q could have his redemptive moment yeah. where he's like, okay, I'm really, really for real dropping the very last slaver of bullshit. Yeah. This is a person who's future I care about, let her go. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take her bullet for her. And then he apologizes to her right before the firing squad. Yeah. I don't think Q has ever apologized in any I other episode of Star Trek. For all the crap he put Picard through, I don't think he ever apologized for any of it. Uh, but then they have the great bit where there's a gunfire, and he's like, I'm shot, I'm dying. And she's like, no, no, it's not us. They're not shooting us, you weirdo. So then we get attacked by... Everyone in their Union Blues. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> Civil, silly. Civil War Tuvok. Yeah, Civil War Tuvok. I was like, okay, all right. This doesn't totally make sense why they had, like, 
Because I had I had the moment of like the disconnect moment of like okay they physically came into the continuum but then the humans would have to like embrace the same metaphor yeah. that everyone else is using I guess I don't know where the uniforms came from I mean I I get that she armed them with Q weapons mm-hmm. which within this particular part of the matrix I guess yeah. Yeah. their brains perceived them as Civil War revolvers and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. but. I'd like to think the uniforms is just something they were like, whoa, 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 wait, before we go, can we put on uniforms? Please. Can we please have uniforms? I mean, if you're going to have a Civil War episode in your Star Trek show, yeah, right. there's no way you don't put as much of the cast as possible. Though I was like, why isn't Torres there? Why? I mean, I guess he's still on the ship. Somebody had to stay on the ship. Yeah. Yes. Everyone else got to go put on their blues. Probably because they didn't want to answer the question of whether she would have put on a dress or put on the, the Union uniform. You could use some uh, explanation as to she's why she's not human. Well, she's half human, so I guess she would be tied to that. Why uh, Tom knew how to like fire and operate a musket? I mean, that's not the kind of weapon you can just pick up off the ground. No. And well, they're not they're not really muskets. Yeah, but he would still have to know. I mean, you see him like bite into a powder packet and <laughs> and then pack load. I assume she just, you know, beamed down, that knowledge into their brains. Into their when brains. you're dealing with the cues, you can yeah. just gloss over it. Just comes that with. Kind of thing. Just yeah. comes with. Uh, so anyway, so they come in. Uh, they basically easily outflank and capture the the gray cue, um, and then uh, they free Janeway and, he, and Q's talking to his uh, his paramour. Uh, that you know, let me reassure. I have an idea that will reassure you of my devotion. And they, there's kind of some consternation. He's like, "We would be the parents of peace." And then they they wrap things up with the the gray cue, and they cease fire, cease fire. Everyone's not firing. Tom gets to drop on him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just funny. That's like Tom Paris holding a god at gunpoint. Yeah. Functionally, I could see that he going is a murder really machine. From, yeah. <laughs> and any plane of reality. Tom Don't. Paris. He's funny. God like, hunter. He's rec- yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, there's cues in the book. It's it's the the long fabled god killer. It's the god killer. Run. Wow. Um. But then they say, okay, we're going to have to have, we're finally going to have this act of procreation. And Janeway's like, okay, I'll give you guys some privacy. They're like, don't you, don't you like to watch? And they do the, um, you know, the Michelangelo touch fingers thing and it glows for a second. Yeah. And that's it. It's like ET fingers. Yeah. They give him the line, like, I was good, wasn't I? She's like, oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Janeway's kind of disappointed because you could tell she had sort of, she had a a notion in her head of what it was going to be like if Mm. and when she agreed to this. Right, right. And she was going to be sorely disappointed. Yes. Yes. Her, her brain couldn't process what it would. What really happened? Really yeah, what happened. really happened. Uh, but then they snap, and then everybody goes back to the bridge. There's no more supernovas. They're back on course. Uh, they're like, Jane was like, well, looks like the war is over. I'll be in my ready room so we can have the final scene of this ship. So yep. it'll be done, Chakotay. Please. Okay, Captain. <laughs> and now, in a, in a one, game of one upmanship to letting yeah. John Delancey have a puppy. Right. We're going to give him a baby. A baby in a little Starfleet uniform. Ladies in the audience, yep, this is for you. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's a cute scene of him with the baby and talking about how he views the world differently now. He can't be going around doing all this stuff and how proud he is of the baby and how smart he is. And, they, and how they want Auntie Kathy to be the godmother. And she's like, what an honor. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course they give some line about like, well, just wait till you have to babysit, which is probably the setup for the next time the Q shows up. Uh, but then they're like, 
Ah, I remember that episode I now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I couldn't. I, I didn't know if this is. La- yep. Okay. Um, Your so, instincts have served you well. Yeah. Uh, so then they say bye bye, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. It's a pretty Ding. quick scene of like, well, anyway, uh, we're gonna hopefully begin a new generation of hope and life. But you're on the hook too. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No need for uh, a dubious ending to this one. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a happy episode. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't put in one more beat of their relationship. Like, cause honestly he was very sort of like, well, anyway, you're great and you've taught me so much and, but I have this baby and bye, you know, there I'm is like, no like nod of you're cool, you know, kind of thing or something. I might even argue that bringing the cute baby in in the last scene was a mistake. Uh, I'm not that. sure that I would have done it that way um, because it, anytime they you have a cute baby, it's kind of like having a puppy. Right. They, it's a distraction yeah. to the audience, to the scene. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to center around this cute thing that's in the middle of the room. And I think it's fine with a puppy earlier because the story is still in progress. But bringing the baby in for the punctuation yeah, you're looking at the baby. mark. Yeah, I, I think they also I expected the baby to like talk or do something weird, or fly around the room, yeah. or shoot lightning out of its hands, or something like that. <laughs> yes, you're watching the baby like what what cue thing is it going to do? You know, mm-hmm. um, right. I would have liked the scene better if it had just been a wrap up to because they're they've done such a nice job of making his relationship with Janeway totally distinct in terms of the dynamic from his relationship with Picard mm-hmm, that everyone mm-hmm. knows so well I would have liked a little more yeah you know close the circle on that a little bit but right. yeah you know we, he'll, there's a lot of seasons left he'll probably be back so he'll probably I'll do that then be back final thoughts um I'd say overall I enjoyed it um it's hard to not like uh a Q episode. I do think it was a little unfocused. I, I wish they had gotten. I don't know. I feel like there are several different kind of plot, different plots going on. You know, there's like getting Janeway to have his baby plot, and there's the ex girlfriend plot, mm-hmm. and then, and it's all supposed to be about the Civil War thing. I wish they kind of got to the Civil War stuff sooner, honestly, right. and, and spent more time there personally, um, or just focused on any of those other things more like i i would have enjoyed an episode where tom is trying to teach him how to woo you know <laughs> janeway even though that's ridiculous but mm-hmm. i you know a little more focused I, I i feel would have been would have been better but overall i i still enjoyed it yeah i think it's a lot of fun and i actually will agree with you there that my my probably my one tweak that i would make other, i guess other than taking the baby out of the final scene would be to get to the civil war yeah. part sooner yeah i mean you put it right there in the title yeah. Um. It could have been more kind of like remember the Robin Hood episode of TNG yeah. where he sort of shows up. We establish what the problem is, and then he takes him into Robin Hood land. Yeah. Um. And we spend the episode in Robin Hood land, and it you know it it works. Um. But on the whole, I, I really like it. I actually kind of one moment I sort of meant to to key in on earlier was um we've seen Janeway starting to make small compromises compromising her Starfleet ethos in some way, mm-hmm. compromising her, her own moral code in small ways, but mm-hmm. just slight little cracks starting to form as right. they would. I think that speech that she gives to Q, where she talks about, look, human beings are our growth, our compassion, that stuff is not cooked into our DNA. It's a result of little decisions that we make every day. Self-conditioning, conditioning our children, conditioning right. the people in our lives to to move towards a higher standard of behavior. Um, I think it's a nice sort of reaffirmation moment for her. Mm-hmm. Sure. She gets to bounce that off cue and say, 
this is a reminder to me too that this is what we're about. Mm-hmm. This is what makes us who we are, and it's that much more important that we maintain this even out here in the wilds of space. So yeah, on, on the whole, I, I think the episode's a lot of fun, but it also does you know a little bit of a little bit of character heavy character based heavy lifting there. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you. I mean, I kind of said it at the beginning that I I appreciate that they had sort of something that was sort of fraught before, and now they've sort of confronted it directly and handled it fairly well in the relationship between the two of them. I would have liked them to get to the Civil War stuff faster, because honestly, I turned on the episode and I saw the title, and I was like, oh, okay, it's a Q episode. Okay, the Q and the Gray, what's that about? Oh, maybe the, and then they started with all the supernovas exploding and space dying. I was like, oh, maybe the Gray is like this like force of entropy that has emerged, and only by wooing Janeway can he save the universe. <laughs> and then they go to Civil War land, and I was like, the Q and the, the Q and the Gray, the Q and the, it's a pun. Yeah. It's the blue and the gray. It's the blue. Yeah. Blue and the gray. I know you well enough to know what, just a kick you, in the teeth. what you had built up in your mind around right. what the gray could be, yeah. what it could oh, yeah. symbolize. Is this going to be the villain that hunts him for the next five seasons? It's the Q fighting the nothing. Oh, just a pun. No, just a pun. Which I guess this does disprove the, if the title is a pun, the episode is bad. Because this episode I think is pretty good. Yeah. Like I think they could have handled certain things better. Sure. But it, it was fun. It was fun. I had a good time. I like the develop. And to your to your point, like yes, most of this development of Janeway is gonna not. It's not very deep or meaningful, mm. but the development of Q is very cool from a top down Star Trek. Sure, like it's neat that like this character that I kind of like wrote out of my mind when I stopped watching Next Gen, right? And the the one or two times he pops up on yeah. DS Nine is like, oh, cool. The final beats of this character are yeah. in Voyager. And pr- are pretty are pretty honking cool, honestly. Yeah. No, I'll give you that. I don't know. Uh, should, it, it's one of those things where I personally, and, and I think I've said this before. I love a crossover episode, and whenever they happen, I'm, mm. I'm automatically on board. You have to really mess it up to. Yeah, I really stank it up to to get me uh, to to not like it. I don't know. I, I think like what what of what about a person who's never seen Next Gen? What would they think about this episode? You know, has this hypothetical person seen the other Q episode of Voyager? Yes, I suppose they would, but would they have cared about that either? Well, I think they did a they they did some things in that other one, and I don't remember what. Oh, Death Wish. We Death talked Wish, about earlier. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't remember the name. Um, to establish Q's relationship with Picard, and that oh, we know who this guy is. This is the kind of crap that he pulls. Yeah, remember when they pulled Riker? They pulled Riker right out of for time and space, yeah. and. So I think even if you had never seen TNG, you, you'd have a sense that this is the trickster god. That, mm-hmm. that And in that episode, they had that devil. same transition of him being like jokester to I am deadly serious. That's yeah. That's I respect true. this man. I'm an actual being of worth. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would play fine if you had never seen Next Gen. Not as deeply. but not as Yeah, it wouldn't resonate quite the same way, but right. I think it would still resonate. Okay. The War of Q Aggression. <laughs> Nine-part series. The War for Q-Independence? <laughs> what is it, the one outside in front of it, UGA? Is says it Quindependence? The, the War for... Isn't that what we call it on the plaque out there the, uh, by the arch? At oh. The university? Oh, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't think I've ever it says, it. It says uh, he still calls it the, the War for Southern Independence. Oh, man. Yeah. That's got to go. Every day I walk past that on the way to the office, and I want to take a Sharpie to it. Steve. <laughs> yeah, it's no, got to go. No bueno. 
the good citizens of the jury have reviewed the evidence. Gentlemen, your closing arguments. The Q continuum, stardate 50384.2. My very dearest Lady Marmalade, it is cold here in the continuum. A cold I have indeed known before, because I've been here before, and this place and its climate are generally well known to me. Perhaps it's not the temperature in the air that bothers me so. Perhaps it is the coldness created by the great distance between us, the great distance from the warmth of your love. No, no, I was right the first time. It's just cold here. My love, I must tell you that our enemy is advancing at an alarming rate. Indications are very strong that we will be overrun in a matter of days by an unrelenting and unfocused barrage of scenes and moments designed to distract our forces from realizing the truth of this calamity. All is garbage. All is pointless. All is futile. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you what it's actually about. Is it about creating life? Is it about freedom? Is it about a continuum divided? Is it about the love between two omnipotent beings burning brightly for billions of years? No one here seems to know. And that is why this war is garbage. Thank you, my dear, for reading these words. Please return the stack of books in the study to the library by five. I don't wish to be fined. Forever yours, Commodore 512, John Q. Continuum, Esquire. Commander Spurlock. My dearest Musadora, the battle hangs close to a decision point. To my right and to my left, men die in defense of their Voyager opinions. Now that I reread that last sentence, I realize that this is an odd time to stop and write a letter. As I wade through this crucible of blood and fire, I feel more strongly now than ever that the Q and the Grey may be one of the best Q episodes in the entire Star Trek canon, for it illuminates the yearning and need for humanity that is present in the hearts of Q and his omnipotent brethren. Once again, I put down this pen in exchange for my standard-issue chainsaw launcher as we prepare to make our final charge. Farewell for now, sweet Musadora, and may justice win the day. Yours always, Matthias Iasias. Ultimately, the fate of this voyage is up to you good beings on the jury, but it is my august responsibility to make judgment based on the evidence and argument placed before the court today. After reviewing it all, I hereby decree that Case 311, the Q and the Gray, is good. These verdicts cannot be appealed. They are final and irrevocable within this quadrant, space-time continuum, and county. Court adjourned. The People vs. Star Trek Voyager is recorded in front of no one. Space Judge Midnighty and Later is played by Derek Adams. The Prosecution, Commodore 512 John Q. Continuum Esquire, is played by Jonathan Sparks. The Defense, Commander Matthias Zapp Spurlock, is played by Josh Darnell. All episodes of Star Trek Voyager are presumed good until proven garbage.
has been a Shadow Public Radio presentation. For more excruciating action, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you seek podcast content.